1: You're living on money
2: Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Pick up the phone, give us a call right now with your home improvement project. The number is 1 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. Now, we gave you a break last weekend but it is no longer labor day weekend that means you need to do some labor this weekend and fix up your house get it ready for the fall season which is just a couple of weeks ahead now you know when it gets chilly and the leaves fall down and the gutters get clogged and your energy bills go up oh my god let's fix all that this weekend pick up the phone and we will help the number is 888 888- Money Pit. 888-666-3974. Coming up this hour, you probably have a staple gun around somewhere. But if you think a stapler is only for papers and craft projects, you could be very, very wrong. We're going to have tips on why a staple gun can be a toolbox staple for you and to help you with dozens of projects around the house.
3: And if one of your projects is turning your basement into a place that your family is going to actually want to spend time, you need to be careful when it comes to adding a bathroom to that below grade space. We're going to tell you how installing plumbing in the basement is very different.
2: Yes, it's called gravity, and it exactly. doesn't work with you down there. And if you're looking for a fall project that can save big on those winter energy bills, we've got a great idea for you. It's a good time right now to think about replacing your front door with a fiberglass entry door. Not only are fiberglass doors very energy efficient, they will also make the front of your home look really great and can drive up uh, the value of your house as well. And Now's a good time to do that.
3: Mm -hmm, That's right. Coming up, we're going to tell you which fiberglass doors got a big thumbs up for the best buy from Consumers Digest magazine.
2: And also ahead this hour, we're going to give away a HydroRite dual flush system for your toilet. It's worth about 20 bucks, and it is a great way to save water and money all year long. So give us a call right now with your home improvement question, your do-it-yourself dilemma, your decorating dilemma. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT.
3: All right. Now we've got Barbara Kay on the line calling in from Minnesota, who's got truly a geographically unique question. Uh, Barbara Kay (laughs) accidentally wore her ice cleats on her boots into her home and
4: did a number on the floor.
2: So Barbara, was there ice in the house that uh, caused you to wear the cleats inside?
4: (laughs) No. um, I did break my arm, though, in February, both bones, and my son gave me his boot uh, cleat things. And, um, so you
2: weren't really used to having them on?
4: Yes. I. Well, the bird food I keep in the porch. And I would come in the back door and go through the linoleum kitchen, the dining room hardwood floor, the living room hardwood floor and the porch hardwood floor, and these are nineteen hundred wood floors, all different woods and um <laughs> there must be billions, if not millions, of not up the whole floor oh my course, God, the trap so just so that. you
2: like turned around at some point in this journey and yes. saw the holes that you'd, you know, pierced into your floors
4: well, about a month and a half later um i didn't notice them um uh, because you know it's always so dark here. <laughs> in the winter, and then uh, one day the sun, you know, did shine, and it, it hit them at an angle, and I thought, what the heck is
2: that? So were you wearing these cleats all winter long while you fed the no, birds? No,
4: no but I, I would, you know, go for a walk every day and then, uh, you know, get my mail and um, come home and feed the birds
2: oh, last.
4: And, um, yeah,
2: and so you just kept those cleats on until you got done with all your routine, and now you're faced with uh, holy floors.
4: Yeah. With a broken arm, it, they were hard to get on and off with oh, one okay. arm. So I left them on and I didn't, I, I've never had them before. Uh, it, I was stupid. I was in a lot of pain for about two months anyway, so I wasn't thinking straight. Yeah.
2: Your judgment was clouded by pain medication, I'm sure.
4: Oh, uh, no. no. No, I'm allergic to everything. So that wasn't a problem.
2: Okay. So, so let's tackle these one floor surface at a time. Yeah. Um, the hardwood floor of it's solid hardwood floor, And they're not too terribly deep. You could lightly sand the surface and refinish it. If they are kind of deep, then you have to have it professionally sanded so we can get down below those dents. Linoleum, I don't have any solutions for you on there. There's no way to patch that. So you're going to have to live with that and eventually replace it. But the hardwood, you may be able to sand
4: out. Well, yes, and I did measure the cleats and I don't know what they were new before walking on concrete. Uh, for a a couple of months. But um, right now, those cleats are between an eighth of an inch and a fourth of an inch long. So that's how deep, um, just under a fourth of an inch deep holes.
2: Yeah, that's pretty serious damage, and I'm pretty sure it's not covered by homeowners insurance either.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Think sanding, huh? I mean, there's no, there's nothing I can pour on it. uh, No, 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 no. And if you do, any sort of filler that you put
3: in because it's a floor, it's just gonna, you know, pop out when you vacuum, traffic, movement, you know, it's just not gonna ever stay.
2: Just consider it a little Wisconsin character, very, very special to your area and a great story to tell people. And by the way, (laughs) may I suggest that you wear slippers next time? (laughs)
4: Yeah, well, then I will break another arm.
2: (laughs) All right, well, good luck with that project, Barbara. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: All right, now we've got Mitch in Texas on the line who's dealing with a popcorn ceiling. And like most people who have one, wants to get rid of it. Welcome, Mitch.
4: Thank you very much.
3: So tell us what's going on. Where is this popcorn ceiling? Is it truly popcorn? Are you sure it's not a stucco texture?
1: No, it's a true popcorn ceiling. What's going on is... In our bedroom, we're wanting to get rid of the popcorn ceiling and make it just a flat ceiling. But the thing is, underneath the popcorn um, are circle paint patterns. You know how when they do ceiling, sometimes we'll take that brush and it off. Oh, you've got like the double reality.
2: whammy of textures. You've got popcorn and you've got uh, textured spackle.
1: Correct. And so okay. I'm wanting to know the best way if there's a product or something to help me get that off without having to replace the sheetrock or cover it up.
2: Man, I tell you, that's very difficult because the texture is probably in the spackle itself. And if they've done it the way I think they've done it, you have to sand that stuff off. I wouldn't do it. What I would do is I would get three-eighths inch drywall and cover that, man, one four-by-eight section at a time. I know it sounds like a lot of work, but in the end result, it's the quickest and the quickest way to cover it up with the best possible result because you'll have flat, smooth, perfect ceilings. You know, even if you were to go through the hours and hours it would take you to get rid of the popcorn and the textured spackle underneath and then painted that, it's always going to look uneven and a bit rough. So I really think the best way to do it is to just to put another layer of drywall. You don't need to use half inch. You can use three-eighths or even quarter. On top of that, spackle it, prime it, paint it, and be done with it.
1: Now, is there any special tools or thing to make the popcorn stuff come off that much easier, or is it pretty much come no,
2: off? No, you can, well, if you spray it with a little bit of water and then just use a, a like a, a spackle knife. Like a wide spackle the, knife. You can get the chunky stuff off that way. All right. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, with the kids back at school, is your house a little quiet this weekend? Maybe you're looking for some projects to tackle around your Money Pit. If you are and you need a hand, we're here to help you with all of those to-do lists 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT.
2: 888-666-3974. Up next, we're going to have tips on how you can transform the exterior of your home safely. Save money and drive up the value, all with one simple project. That's coming up after this.
1: On the Money Pit Radio Show.
0: The Money Fit is brought to you by Insyncorator, instant hot or hot cool water dispensers. Delivering 200-degree hot or cool filtered water in an instant at the touch of a lever right at the kitchen sink. Perfect for homeowners looking to save time in the kitchen. For more information, please visit www.insyncorator.com.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we want you to pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEYPIT because we are going to give you a hand with your home improvement projects that you might be working on this weekend or planning to tackle next weekend. But we're also going to give you a prize for one lucky caller who gets on the air with us this hour. And we've got up for grabs a really great prize that's going to actually save you water and money at your Money Pit. We are Given away a HydroRite dual flush system. Now what this does, this is basically a flush valve that's going to convert your standard toilet into a water-saving dual flush system with no tank removal necessary. You can actually do this project yourself. So when you need, you can get a quick flush just for liquids and paper, or you can get a full flush for, you know, other business. So it really is a great prize. It's going to save you a ton of money. And it truly is one of those projects when you tackle yourself, you'll be like, wow, I did that. And you'll be so green and so forward thinking. So pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEYPIT for your chance to win.
2: Eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. You know, we are very fortunate, Leslie, to be able to work with some of the best companies in the world as sponsors of this program. And that's why we want to take this opportunity to send out a huge congrats to our friends at Thermatrue Doors who are the winners of the Consumer Digest magazine designation um, as a Best Buy in fiberglass entry doors. That's pretty powerful. You know, when you have a magazine like Consumer's Digest designate you as a Best Buy, Mm -hmm. that means that you're really delivering a lot of value and a lot of quality. And uh, they qualified for all five collections of the Thermatrue Classic Craft fiberglass entry door, the American Style, the Mahogany, the Rustic Oak, and Canvas. Uh, They were all included in the Best Buy designation. So well done, ThermaTru.
3: Mm -hmm. And you know what? This is really exciting because this is the first time that Consumer's Digest has ever even focused on reviewing fiberglass entry doors as its own category. Oh, is that right? That's interesting. I mean, this is the first time that they've thought about it.
2: I mean, that shows how entrenched fiberglass doors are in the market right now.
3: Mm -hmm. And they really are a great choice that more and more people are making on a daily basis. In fact, the magazine even wrote, No other door that's in this price range replicates the look of a wood door better than the classic craft series does. And it's true, you know, the ThermaTru Classic Craft Series, their fiberglass doors, they're not only beautiful, and they really, really are beautiful. I mean, they look exactly like wood. But they're energy efficient, they're strong, and they're secure. And really, if you put a fiberglass door next to a wood door... I'd bet you you'd pick the wrong one when you would think which one's the fiberglass door. So check out their website.
2: Leave them there in the sunlight for about a year, and it'd be pretty obvious. You'll know
3: which because <laughs> <laughs> the wood <laughs> door
2: is going to fall apart and crack. If you want more information on uh, Thermatrue doors, you can go to their website at thermatrue dot com. dot com.
3: All right, now we've got Jean in West Virginia who's got a question about cleaning windows. Tell us what's going on. Hi.
5: First of all, I'd like to say that I love your show.
2: Thanks. Thank
3: you.
5: I have a few sexy glass windows in my home, and there's a cloudiness to them. I've tried cleaning them with vinegar and water, Mm -hmm. straight vinegar, Windex, even soap and water, trying to get the dirt off of it, and nothing keeps, you know, I can't use it. I haven't found anything where um, I can clean them. And I was hoping you guys
3: might have a solution. (laughs) Jean, unfortunately, you kind of said something that made me a little nervous about what's been going on with your windows. You used Windex on the plexiglass. And while Windex is great for glass or surfaces, with plexiglass, it causes a reaction on the surface of the plexi, which then causes a cloudiness that is not removable.
5: Oh, so I did it to myself.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately. There are special plexi cleaners that you can pick up at, you know, home centers, supermarkets. I mean, they're not hard to find. They're made specially for plexiglass. And oh, it's, the, okay. it's really, you can't go back, though. Like, once you've done it, it's done. Okay.
5: And I can find that. Like, at Lowe's?
3: Oh, completely. Any home center, you'll find it. It'll be in the cleaning aisle and make sure it'll say, like, special plexiglass cleaner. And it's made specifically oh. for that. Because otherwise, it causes a chemical reaction.
5: Oh, okay. I understand. All right. Wonderful. Well, I do appreciate that.
3: You're
2: very welcome, Gene. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
3: Thank you. All right. Next up, we've got Andy from South Carolina on the line, who's dealing with a storage and let's call it an organizing issue. What's going on, Andy?
1: Well, it's not a boat in the basement. Okay. The stuff in an attic.
3: Okay.
1: And the question is the stuff is mostly at the end of the house directly above a two car garage. The good news is the two car garage is away from the street. And I would like to, in some way, be able to remove the stuff out of the attic. And I'm thinking that the louvered vent that's at the peak of the roof. On that end of the house is something that either I can hinge or I can take out completely and reinstall it or put a new one in. Oh, you
2: mean to get the stuff out? Is it the easy way out? get or the thinking? stuff
1: out, because i got oh, I lots of stuff. Most <laughs> of it's way too big.
2: How big of a vent do you have there?
1: It's uh, a better part of five feet tall and about oh, that's uh, big fan. Uh, close okay. to...
2: Uh, well, and I think that's probably a reasonable solution. That's a pretty uh, quick way to get all the stuff out of the attic, and then, uh, you know, next time don't fill it up so much.
1: Well, it, 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 it was filled up a piece at a time through the years.
2: Yeah, I know, not all at once, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> It's kind of like that boat in the basement thing, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's stuff in the attic. And my wife said I would not bring it down through the house.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's a reasonable solution if you have a vent that is that big. If it's five feet wide, you already got the structural hole in the attic. And, you know, if you can take it apart and get all that stuff out, put it back together, it might not be uh, that big of a deal. Once you get that out and the uh, space is now empty, it's a good opportunity for you to also re-insulate in that area. Does it have a floor on it? It does. All right. So you might want to think about... uh, you know, checking under those floorboards, seeing what kind of insulation you have. If it's filled up, you could actually add some additional insulation on top of the floor. Of course, you wouldn't be able to restore things there because what you really want in in uh, your part of the country is about 16, 18 inches of insulation that will really keep those air conditioning bills down as well as the heating bills if it gets chilly.
1: Well, I recently had the house re roofed and I put in a nice new uh, high end ridge vent when we did all of that.
2: Well, that was smart.
1: And we also went back with these power turbines.
2: Well, that wasn't smart. (laughs) Power turbines weren't smart? No. If you put a ridge vent in and you match those with soffit vents, that's really all you need. You don't need uh, an attic fan. You don't need these spinning vents. Uh, They're not as effective as continuous ridge and soffit vents. So get the stuff out of the attic, improve the insulation, improve the ventilation, and you will be good to go. Sounds good. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
3: Jim in Minnesota is on the line. He's got a question about roofing. How can we help you with your project?
5: Yeah, I have a twenty eight by forty uh, building with a uh, average uh, roof pitch, and the shingles need replacing. Okay. Sh- should I put uh, tin on the roof boards, or I hear hear that. Uh, we should put uh, boards that run horizontally uh, on the roof boards, then nail the tin on top of the, these horizontal boards.
2: All right. So first of all, Jim, you have asphalt shingles on there right now? Yes. Are you planning on removing those shingles? Absolutely. All right. Good. So once you remove them, then I think you can put the tin right on top of the sheathing. I'm assuming you have sheathing there. If you don't have sheathing, then you would have to have stripped uh, sheathing put on those strips that you're talking about, those furring strips, yeah, you would have to add those. But if you have standard sheathing, I think you can put the uh, metal roof right on top of that. And it's a good project to do. You know, those metal roofs really do last and definitely. And the coatings that are on the metal roofs today um, are reflective of the heat in the summer. So it keeps the buildings cold, uh, cooler as well. So good project. Does that help you out? Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up, are you thinking about installing a bathroom in your basement? Well, the biggest challenge can be summed up in a single word, gravity. We're going to tell you how to make that plumbing system flow uphill after this.
1: All the Money Pit Radio Show.
0: The Money Pit is brought to you by the hydra right Drop-In Dual Flush Converter. Proud sponsor of Water Conservation 2011. The hydra right easily converts your toilet into a water and money-saving dual flush toilet. Push the quick flush setting for liquids or the full flush for more. Look for the Hydro right at the Home Depot and other fine retailers. Or visit SaveMyToilet.com.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: You can also visit with the Money Pit on Twitter and Facebook. Either way, you will get money-saving home improvement tweets or posts sent directly to your computer or your smartphone. Just follow our handle at MoneyPit on Twitter and slash the Money Pit on Facebook. Not slash as in go away, but, you know, slash as in facebook.com slash the money. But just want to be very, very clear about that.
3: Now we've got Robert in Tennessee on the line who thinks the foundation in their home is not very firm. How do you know? What have you been doing? Poking at it? What's going on, Robert?
1: Hey, no, it's just any time the boys or the dogs run through the house, there's a couple areas where vases and things start shaking on top of furniture. And we just want to know the best way to
2: shore it up. Oh, so you got some bouncy floors. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. A 1919 house is going to have uh, beams that are a little bit smaller than what we would put in today and probably not much in the way of bridging. So you can put in some uh, mid-span support to that. You could add another girder down the middle of the of the floor joists to kind of half the distance that they're traveling. Now, this girder doesn't have to have the traditional foundation associated with it. You know, some stiff lolly columns would do the trick here, because really what you're doing is just trying to take in the flex out of the floor joists. But that kind of bounce is not really that unusual in an older house, uh, and I wouldn't be too terribly concerned about it. But if it's bothering you, you could put in a mid-span girder to take the bounce out. Does that make sense?
1: It does. I have put a couple of them in. I just find that I wonder when the blocks will ever settle that they're under because it seems like every other year I have to go back under there and, and jack them back up,
2: up some more. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if that's the case and you might want to go through the trouble of digging yourself out of footing, it doesn't have to be, you know, three foot deep. But if you dig out the floor to the point where you've got maybe a two-foot square hole, fill it up with concrete and place the lolly column on top of that and make sure that's under the girder, then, you know, I think it'll be a, a longer-term repair for you. Okay. You can mix it up yourself just with uh you know a couple of bags of Quickcrete or something like that.
3: Okay. And Robert, you can always enforce the speed limit in the house with the kids.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's a never-ending problem there.
2: <laughs> I hear you, Robert. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
1: Thank you, Tom and Leslie.
3: Well, today, more and more extended families are coming together under one roof, whether it's for an economic reason or a health issue. And if that's the case in your house, you might find yourself looking for more space or even an extra bathroom.
2: And one of the best places to expand is actually down under. And no, we're not talking about moving to Australia. We're (laughs) talking about your basement. Basements make really terrific living areas if they're properly finished, and that includes installing a below-grade bathroom. To find out how to do just that, we turn to a guy who... Knows exactly how to make a plumbing system defy gravity. Our friend Richard Trethewe from TV's This Old House. Hi, Richard. Hey, guys. And most people think that putting in a bathroom below grade requires a lot of work and expense, but that's not necessarily always true, correct?
6: Well, it always was. You know, you had, because you didn't have gravity to work with, you always had to open up the basement floor and put a thing called a sewage ejector, this big uh, pit, like a sump pit that everything came into, and that was pretty extensive. And then we saw this product some years ago that allows you to actually put a uh, basement bathroom in without having to dig up the floor. And okay. it's pretty, pretty ingenious. And what's that called? Well, it's a product called SantaFlow, and uh, it has a variety of uh, iterations. One is just a straightforward unit that's a toilet that sits on the floor, and it has a macerator in it so that it'll grind up and pump out the waste through a relatively small pipe, a little three-quarter pipe, and that will go into the op. And then into the drain system, uh, and then they also have one that can allow you to have a tub or shower drain off the side of it, and also allows you to bring a lavatory. So that it's it, but it makes most of its work be done above the finish or above the. Uh, basement grade of the floor.
3: Now, is there any limitation to as far as the distance you might need to actually move the waste to get into the main sewage? Like, can you only keep it under a certain distance?
6: No, there's no practical limit in residential. I mean, you could, I don't think there's a house that we couldn't uh, get this thing to to pump it pump it out.
2: Now, because it's sitting on the floor, I mean, do you have to build a throne to put your throne there?
6: (laughs) Well, no, it comes off the back. It's designed that way. So you do see this little white uh, tank off the back of the toilet. Uh, and then it has a place. You, you may have to build up your shower height. So if you have a really low basement, if you're trying to do a shower stall, it might get you into a little bit of trouble. So the toilet is different, then? The toilet doesn't drain below it? It drains out the back? No, it's expressly made for this device. Oh, okay. It's a matched unit, so it's not, you're not putting a conventional toilet there. But it's an ingenious... It's really ingenious because... There are so many people that just would love to have a basement bathroom, and historically it was just prohibitive to get this thing Mm -hmm. done.
3: Well, I know. I mean, in so many communities, there are a lot of limitations to what you can do as far as a a bathroom in a basement area. So, really, I think the first step is going to your town's building department and find out what the rules are because since I've started working as a decorator, I can't tell you how many families who've just bought a house and there's a bathroom in the basement and they're going to go do some decorative work and they go to file the permits and the town's like, "Whoa, that bathroom's not legal. You got to get rid of it."
6: I always prefer to be up front with the local local establishment and sort of, you know, when I when I had to do a uh, build a house, I went right to the t- uh, town hall and said, "Tell me how to do it the right way." And it's amazing how they become they go from uh, potentially your adversary to your advocate.
2: Good advice. Richard Duthui from TV's This Old House. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money pen and to see a great video of how to install a basement toilet, including that Santaflow system that Richard mentioned. You can visit thisoldhouse.com.
3: And remember, you can watch Richard and the entire This Old House team on This Old House and Ask This Old House on your local PBS station.
2: And This Old House is brought to you by Lumber Liquidators. Lumber Liquidators, hardwood floors for less. Still ahead, when you think about staples, do you think about the flimsy things used to attach to your school papers? Well, forget about that. We're going to tell you why a staple gun should be moved up to the top of your toolbox because of all the projects it can complete after this.
1: You live in a body pit.
0: The Money Pit is brought to you by Generac, makers of the number one selling Guardian Series home standby generators. Now introducing a full line of consumer and professional power washers. Whether you need to power it, clean it, or protect it, Generac can help. Visit generac.com to learn more.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom
3: Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Hey, don't forget, we are giving away a great prize to help you save money and water this hour. One caller who makes it on the air with us is going to win the hydro Converter. It changes any standard toilet into a dual flush system. It's got a quick flush for liquids and a full flush when you need it, and you know when you need it. This was invented <laughs> by a plumber. It's really easy to install, actually, no tools required. Worth about 20 bucks. Going to go out to one caller that reaches us with their home improvement question at 1888 money pit
3: All right, pick up the phone and give us a call. We'd love to give you a hand with what you're working on. And, you know, given the nature of the job that Tom and I have, we get asked a lot of questions about home improvement, what types of tools you should have. And I'm always asked, you know, what is my favorite tool? What is my must go to tool? And for years, I've got to tell you, it's always been a staple gun. Now, if you've got one, then you know, and maybe you don't know, but there are actually lots and lots of projects that you can accomplish with a staple gun. If you do not have One, go out and get one because today's staple guns, they're ergonomically designed and they're easier to use than a hammer and a nail, and there's no thumb hitting involved at all, I promise. (laughs) And it really gives you a fasten that's just as tough, if not tougher. And because of the design, it's very easy on your hands. In fact, Ever since my high school days when I was gathering my first working toolkit for, you know, my design projects and my theater work, there has always been a staple gun in that kit. And I've always turned to the Arrow Fastener Company for the most quality staple gun on the market. Now, Arrow has been in the business of making professional quality fastening products since 1929, and they are the maker of the world's best-selling staple gun, the t 50
2: That's right. Now, the project ideas for a staple gun are really endless. You can use it to add insulation, to get ready for the colder weather this time of year. And with the holidays approaching, simple projects can really make a big transformation to your home. Everything from updating the fabric on older dining room chairs to even adding decorative trim and molding to walls and even furniture. You know, the ideas are totally limitless. And once you have a staple gun in your toolbox, you're going to wonder what you ever did without it. Now, if you've got an older staple gun, you might want to think about updating it to a newer model. They are easier to hold and to use. And if you want to see the absolute best stable guns on the market today, you got to check out arrowfastener.com. You know, Arrow makes the T50, which has been the best-selling stable gun in the world, for five decades, and you can see it in action at arrowfastener.com. 888 666 3974. Give us a call right now with your next home improvement
3: project. Jackie in Kansas, you've got the money, pit. what can we do for you today? Uh,
5: yes, we're remodeling our, a bedroom in our basement, and we have, a door, we have a door in there that to the closet, it's a walk in closet. That opened into the room, and um, I would have—I would like to replace it with one of those uh, pocket drawers that mm-hmm. doors that pull across, so it won't take out any yeah, of the Yeah Are you talking about in the in kind
2: the, that slides in, so it becomes hidden? It slides into the wall. Or are you talking about another? Yeah. All right, not the kind that's more like an accordion.
5: No, I want the kind that goes into the wall. Okay. And uh, our contractor told us that uh, that's a bearing wall and we can't do that.
2: All right, well, look, uh, even if it's a bearing wall, you can frame for it, but here's what you have to do. If your door is two feet wide, the finished width is, say, 24 inches, the size of the opening that you need for this has is to be like
3: double it, right? Double that.
2: It's even more than that. It's more like 50, 52 inches. So you frame an opening for, say, a 52 inch wide opening. You put the pocket door in and the the hardware for it, and you leave the exposed part, and then it slides into the wall, and that part gets covered with drywall. That's why the header has to be twice as big. It's not in a normal door. If it's a two-foot door, it's going to be, you know, 26, 28-inch header. But with a pocket door, it has to be twice as big. So that may be why he's trying to talk you out of it. I would further clarify that with him. Because you can put a header and I mean, if you can have a two-foot door, you can have a four-foot door. It's just a slightly yeah, different header size. There's a,
3: a pocket door goes in the wall. There's something that they call, I think, is it like a barn-style door, where mm-hmm. you put this mechanism on the exterior of the wall so you would see it in the room, and it can be kind of you know modern-looking, or it could be kind of like funky and country-looking, and the door hangs on this track and it slides would slide over. The wall over the wall. Mm-hmm. And you can get like a fantastic looking door and like a really great looking track where it could be, you know, rustic and country and then a great, you know, salvaged wood type door. So if it's a look thing that you like, it, it can be functional and then you don't have to worry about the load bearing wall at all.
4: Oh,
5: that sounds good. I could match it with track lighting.
3: Sure. Yeah, totally.
5: Yeah, that that's uh, I like that. In fact, I think I even like that better than the rocket door.
2: Alright, so there we go. Give gave you a new idea. Jackie, thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
3: All right, now we've got Sue in New York on the line who's got a problem with cleaning laminate flooring. How can we help
4: you? Um how do you what's the best way to clean a laminate floor?
2: Uh damp mopping it? Mm-hmm. or with a very light uh cleaning chemical?
4: Like what?
3: Well, I would even say just vinegar and water.
4: Vinegar and yep. water. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, plain water just doesn't do it when you got two big dogs. No, it doesn't.
2: <laughs> no, I could see that.
4: But vinegar will work. Mm -hmm. vinegar and water will work also you know
3: depending on the manufacturer of your flooring that you have in the house like i know armstrong has their own brand of laminate floor cleaner which is essentially a, a mix of things that you know are appropriate to the type of surface that won't cause chemical reactions and are you know actually a soap base in there that gives you a little bit of extra cleaning oomph that you might need for the dogs okay so look at the brand you know search them up online whomever you've got and i bet they've got one that you can get at a home center
4: all right. Thank
2: you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Still ahead, stucco. It can have a beautiful finish and really look great until it cracks, and then it doesn't. Not so much. <laughs> so we're going to tell you how to restore stucco that's not weathering well when the Money Pit continues.
0: This portion of The Money Pit is brought to you by The Iron Shop, the leading manufacturer of spiral stair kits. Visit www.theironshop.com today to find out how you can own a beautiful iron spiral staircase.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to The Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Hey, do you have a question on a DIY project? If you can't reach us at 888 Pit, you can always log on to moneypit.com and tell us what's going on. You can even send pictures of your projects and just wait for a bit of expert advice from us or from any of the other thousands of members of the Money Pit community. It's all online and it's all free at moneypit.com.
3: All right. And while you're there posting your question, and get you a quick answer on Money Pit Live right now. We've got one here from Florida and this person wrote, I have a fairly new home home. It's a concrete block house with stucco on the outside. The stucco is cracking all over the place. I want to repaint within a year, but I'm unsure as to how to remove the old paint, fix the cracking and prep the stucco. Is it okay to use a pressure washer on the stucco? Should I use a certain kind of paint? Any advice would be extremely helpful.
2: Well, my first concern is to make sure that the stucco is structurally sound. You say it's cracking. There's kind of two kinds of stucco cracking. You either get the cracking where it gets really loose and chunky and sort of falling off the house, and you get the other type of cracking where it's sort of like shrinkage cracking. And if it's loose and chunky and falling off the house, then you have a structural problem with your stucco, and it has to be pulled down and replaced. If it's just shrinkage cracking, um, you can remove the paint. Using traditional methods, paint strippers, that kind of stuff, I would not use a real aggressive pressure washer because you're going to put a lot of water into it. Plus, pressure washers that that are set strong enough to remove paint are going to score that stucco. You'll leave literally lines in it. Now, there is a type of paint called an elastomeric paint. Uh, There are epoxy-based elastomerics that are a little more stretchy. And these types of paints can be applied by a professional painter, and they will have a lot of give to them. So if the stucco expands and contracts a bit, um, they will kind of ride with that and not let the cracks go through. But it is very important to do a very good prep job. And we've got an article on the step-by-step called, I think, How to Paint Stucco. And it's right online uh, at moneypit.com. So head on over there for all the details on how to solve this problem.
3: All right, next up we've got a post from Sally in Missouri who writes, my floor joists are two by tens, 16 inch on center. Before I drywall the basement ceiling, I would like to stiffen the floor joists to eliminate bounce by installing new pieces of two by 10 perpendicular to the existing joists. How far apart should I put the new pieces of two by 10? I'm trying to find the balance between having it work and overkill. Now is this known as sistering when you're sort of putting them right up to one another.
2: No, sistering is when they're side-by-side. Side. She said perpendicular. She's talking about blocking or bridging.
3: Gotcha. Bracing them now, across to one another.
2: Bracing them right across from each other. And basically, I would take the run of the two-by-tens. So if, let's say they're 12 inch, twelve feet, I'm sorry, from pressure point to pressure point or mm-hmm. resting point to resting point. Go right in the middle and put the blocking right down the middle of those floor joists, Sally. Now, a little trick of the trade is you can use solid two-by-tens, and you can offset them by an inch and a half. Why would you do that? Because this way you can end nail and not have to kind of, you know, get those nails in on a crazy angle. If you offset Mm -hmm. them by an inch and a half, you can just end nail everything. Be very careful around the wires, the pipes. Don't cut any of that stuff out. And that will make a big difference on how stiff that floor feels, how much bounce it, it has. It'll really take that flex right out of it.
3: Now, if that's not enough, go quarter of the way or you're good.
2: Now, I think that going halfway is fine. The thing is, you have to do the whole thing from end to end. You can't just do a piece of it or it won't work.
3: All right. Enjoy that project. Love working overhead, getting in your arm exercise for the day.
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. Hope you got some useful home improvement tips, some ideas, some inspiration to avoid some perspiration on your next home (laughs) improvement project. I'm Tom
3: Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.
1: in the body
3: Pit